Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the Wednesday WP Tonic Show. We've got a, a great friend of the show back again. She's in a really classy studio, not in a bunker like last time. Um, that's a real great friend of the show, Kerry Deals. Would you like to introduce yourself, Kerry? Hello. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Kim. It's good to be back. Um, I am, yes, broadcasting live from Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, yeah, I, that, that probably wasn't the introduction you were looking for. No, tell them what you do, Carrie. Oh, okay, so sometimes I just get caught up in the moment and myself. Um, I am a WordPress developer, consultant, uh, instructor. I teach front-end web development and business skills for freelancers, and I also host a podcast. A very good. Hours FM. Uh, yes, a very prestigious, very good podcast called Office Hours. FM. I suggest you go and listen to it, folks. And I've got my co-host here, Kim. Would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. I'm Kim Schivler. I'm a communications and instructional design consultant and instructor. Oh, that's great. And I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a WordPress service maintenance company with an emphasis on membership and learning management systems. If you've got a course and you're looking for a good support partner, we're your choice. And before we go into this great uh, interview, I want to talk about quickly about our sponsor, which is Kinster Hosting. Kinster Hosting, we use it on the WP Tonic website and also some of the um, clients that we support as well. And we have found them to be truly fantastic. They're a boutique um, WordPress hosting company, still large enough to have all the bells and whistles if you're a developer or a power user, staging site, statistics, you name it, they supply it. But they're not too big, so they've lost their focus. So if you're looking for real quality support, you will get it from Kinster. Like I say, we use them to host the WP Tonic site, and I'm totally delighted with them. If that sounds the kind of um, hosting partner that you're looking for, for yourself or for your clients, go to the WP Tonic website. There are affiliate links there. You will be supporting the show as well if you use those links. And I can't recommend them much more, can I? So that's great, isn't it? So we're going straight into the interview. So, Kerry, um, you've um, been producing, you've got a course now, you've been blogging extensively about freelancing and how to do it. If you're thinking of becoming a freelancer, how do you start the ball running? So obviously the question is, how do you start the ball running effectively if you're thinking of becoming a freelancer in 2018? <laughs> oh, well, first I would say cross your I's and dot your T's. Um, so make sure from a uh, from a legal perspective that wherever you are in the world that you're getting the certificates you need to get or the permits you need to get and, uh, to make sure that you're doing things legally and also to go out and get a business bank account. And from day one, from the first moment somebody pays you to do something, put that money in a business bank account and not in your personal account um, and start 
start off on the right foot in terms of thinking about your business income and expenses as a separate entity entity from your personal ones. Yes, we do not provide any kind of legal advice here. I'm no, sure no, Car- no. Kerry and myself uh, want to make that <laughs> totally clear to the views, but I think you're spot on there. Um, very depending on where you're doing business, basically, um, I would suggest that anybody should set up a limited liability company. Would you agree with that? That's what I how I'm personally established. But you know, again, I I'm not an accountant or a or a lawyer, or any of those blah, blah, blah things. But um, there, for folks in the U.S., there's a, uh, the Small Business Administration website actually has like a little uh, kind of goes through and asks you a series of questions and based on your answers tells you what sort of business formation could be ideal. So either a limited liability or, uh, you know, maybe a, a C corp or S corp. And then, of course, once you get outside of the U.S., I have no clue. I'm referring to you, Jonathan. Yeah, I think that you just made a great suggestion there. Um, the small business service. Um, I know in Nevada they do free uh, um, seminars, which you can go to, and they also do face-to-face um, mentorship and advice, which is all totally free. And they're just a great resource if you're looking to start a small business um, and they're totally impartial. So I totally agree with you, Kerry. Um, you, if you're thinking of going down this road, you should um, give them a call or email them and see what they've got to offer. What do you reckon, Kerry? Yeah. And anytime you agree with me, I, 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 I'm just going to agree with you right back. Exactly. But I always <laughs> agree, Kerry. Because you always talk a lot of common sense, normally. So there's that bit. So what's step two then, Kerry? Step two, get work. (laughs) Work. Somebody to pay you for something. Uh, The big question is how do you achieve that? Yeah, how do you do that? So I guess it depends on, you know, what sort of services that you're offering. But first, you know, you need to define what it is you're doing. So are you making websites for people? Are you going to help them with their advertising or their marketing or, you know, whatever it is that you're good at, you need to find people that need what you're offering. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of starting locally. So whether that's at a chamber of commerce or, um, or even just, you know, working your local network, Hey, do you know anybody that needs what I do? Um, Starting, starting there, and then of course you can go online, and there's uh, tons of places you can start kind of shaking the bushes too. But that's the that's the tough question, right? Where do you find clients versus where do you find anybody that'll pay you? And then the more you get into to freelancing projects, you're like, okay, how do I find good clients and not just any clients? Well, I think fundamentally that the, there's sub subsections of this but uh, I just want to see if you agree with this Um, I think it really depends on where you're coming from if which I would highly advise you if you but it doesn't fit everybody um, if you can um, work for an agency and build up relationships if obviously some agencies are very strict about you not doing any work as a freelancer, if you're working for an agency, 
Others are a little bit looser in their policy. Just depends. It, um, the other factor is trying to get work through agencies, approaching agencies, saying you've got these skills. Is there any kind of work um, that they can give you? There's that road. And then there's the third um, path which you identified, and that's going direct face-to-face with business owners. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And especially, you know, since WP Tonic and a lot of so WordPress folks that are tuning into this, um, there's, oh, what's, I'll, I'll get the URL for your show notes later, but uh, Post Status run by Brian Cogsgard, he's actually got a job board uh, website. So if you're looking for work in the WordPress space, that's a, a great place to start too, is just to see who's hiring and what sort of uh, jobs they're hiring for. But yeah, I like the idea of, um, you know, kind of getting in with an agency and meeting people and networking and, you know, building, building those relationships. Let's say you have, you know, you know, got, got your skills to a certain level and you're approaching um, agencies maybe as a freelancer, as a subcontractor. Have you got any kind of insights, the best mythology, the best way to do that initial um, contact with them? Um, and should it be based locally or should you just look at national, different agencies depending on your skills? I don't think locale matters anymore, especially in this space. Uh, so go anywhere. Um, but that said, you know, I've never actually done a cold call, cold contact. I think for, you know, going back to, um, you know, that phrase building relationships and doing that consistently, whether that's going to word camps or showing up, uh, you know, online to be helpful and, and ask questions. When you do that consistently and repeatedly, people notice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, over, over time as you build some recognition in the community for being helpful, uh, then you're naturally going to encounter some of those people at agencies that, uh, that you might want to talk to. And maybe they're not the big boss. Maybe they're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a fellow developer there or, or whatnot. But my answer is always going to be start with building relationships. I'm not good at cold calls. So mm. I couldn't even tell you the first, I, I would do what I'm doing right now, which is stammering. Uh, <laughs> hire me. So, but what, what I think you're suggesting is to go to word camps, meetups, um, go um, to WordPress meetups is a great go. You know, if you're in a, a reasonably large city, there'd probably be multiple meetups, won't there? And just get yourself around, be helpful, try and join the WordPress community. I think that's one of the great strengths of WordPress, isn't it? Is it's a bit cliche, but to some extent, I think it's still true. It's a, a quite open community. Um, along as you're not too abrasive and demanding, and you're seen as a team member, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, basically, don't be a yeah. That's live, actually. You can't bleep me out live, but yeah, be nice. Be nice. <laughs> Got any questions, Kim? I do. Um, so we're talking a lot about freelancers that are in the WordPress community for your, you know, what you're doing now with with the your your whole freelancer community. Is all of it for online business or do you also help freelancers that, you know, might be a cleaning service or 
or, you know, more offline type business, which sometimes those of us in the community forget that there's a whole other side out there. Right, right. Well, you know, it's, that's a great question. And uh, I started a Facebook group called the Fearless Freelancer. And, you know, my, my contacts are in the realm of, you know, WordPress and tech and, and so forth. So that was a lot of the people that initially joined the group. But then I started seeing um, some, some friends from uh, my, from previous years, like one of them has a, uh, an, an, uh, she does custom eyelash extensions. Um, that's her service-based business. So she's in the group. I have another friend that's done like traditional advertising uh, and PR. She's, she's part of the group. That's completely offline. Um, so I, I think it's maybe for everyone in that sense, online and off. I will kind of throw in the caveat that I'm more comfortable in the realm of freelancing as a service uh, when it comes to products or creating products. That's something I've, I've dabbled in myself, but don't know that I have uh, the true solid footing there to uh, offer much wisdom to other people. Excellent. Well, and those service-based businesses are so critical. You know, you hear, I've heard a lot of things thrown around at business meetings about, you know, outsourcing yourself and working on your business, not in your business, et cetera. But the reality is we need those people that actually do the work. If we're going to outsource ourselves, I've got to have my cleaning guy come clean. And he does, and he's great. Exactly. So, um, so I, I love your, your take there on the service business. For the WordPress group, one of the things I do hear from freelancers who, who aren't really specialized. So when I was working predominantly in WordPress, I was very specialized. It was all learning management and uh, uh, membership sites other than, you know, a few basic sites, I, a few basic classes I offered. But one of the things I hear from them is, the challenge of when they go to the meetups, et cetera, most of the people meet, they meet there, really want everything to be given away for free at that meetup. How do you help them bridge that gap to getting a paid gig from it? Yeah, well, that's, you know, there's a fine line there. And in, in the terms of a meetup, you're in a limited space in a limited time. <clears throat> and for me, when I'm at the meetup, it's, it's, it's free. I show up to be helpful and to give away information. Um, but I'm also only there for an hour and a half. <laughs> if you need help beyond that, um, you know, then we can talk about whether or not that's in paid, engage, a paid engagement or whether I, or, or more often than not, it's me just referring them to someone who could be the most helpful uh, based on whatever it is they're needing. Um, yeah, there's, I think maybe that's a balance you have to kind of feel comfortable with in yourself. Like I'm happy to, for example, um, I write a lot of uh, blog posts, tutorials, that sort of thing. And people come up, you know, follow up and ask questions in the comments and I'll go and I will provide further free information in those comments. Now, when those people land in my inbox asking me how to do a customization on something, something, I just delete it. And that's the kind of the boundary line that I've set for myself. I'm like, this is the forum that I have set up. This is my playground where if you want to engage here, I'm happy to help. If you try to engage me over here uh, and, and don't want to uh, 
respect my expertise or pay me for it, then you're just going to go to the bin. Sorry. So you don't reach back out to them and offer them a paid service at that point? I don't. And here's why. And this is going to maybe sound, uh, whatever, take it for what it is. On my contact page, I explicitly state that the contact form is not for support. And also at this moment, I'm not taking new clients. So if someone has not even bothered to read what's on that page before they send me an email, then no, they're not the kind of person I want to engage anyway, uh, because they're not even listening (laughs) from from that very first moment. That makes absolute perfect sense. The reason I asked it was, in your case, you're not taking new clients. I think for some of those first timers, it is a, a nice way to reach back out. If someone hits in your inbox saying that's not how you get free support, you can turn back around and say, I do this as a service. It costs X, Y, and Z, et cetera. And, and you know, you've had permission to reach back out. It's not truly a cold call. At oh, that absolutely. Point. Absolutely. So, you know, based on what your, what your rules of engagement are, um, certainly that's like a, a, a warm lead landing in your inbox. Um, but I've, I've discovered though that there's just a lot of tire kickers, um, people that want to pick your brain, but don't want to pay you for it. And I guess maybe two years ago, I, uh, created an account on clarity, which is a pay by the minute, um, phone service. And <laughs> that just came out really weird sounding when I said it out loud, that sounds like a sex line or something, but it's not, uh, <laughs> But anyways, you can set your rate. So whether you want your rate to be $20 an hour or $500 an hour, it doesn't matter. But it breaks that down to a per minute cost and you create your little account on Clarity um, and people book calls through Clarity. um, So they're paying you for your time. So I created that account and I don't take a ton of calls on there, but I've used that now as as my gate keeper. Um, So if somebody emails me and... um, and says, hey, I'm looking for, you know, I wanted to ask your, what do you think about this, 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 or this? And they write me like four paragraphs worth of information. And I'm like, Whew. I just shoot them a quick email back. And I'd say, I would, I would love to chat about with you more. Book a call here when it's convenient for you. 95% of those people never book a call. And that's because they don't value, they don't value it enough to pay for it. Um, and that's fine. And now, now that saved me the time because I used to answer all those emails. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, so that's kind of the little barrier that uh, that I've put up, and it lets the people who truly um, want to engage and, and respect uh, my expertise, they'll they'll you know they'll hop on a quick ten minute call, uh, and the others they'll move on to find somebody else to help for free. <laughs> Somewhere else. I think that's a good place to have our break, folks, where we'll be back in a few moments and we'll be continuing this great discussion with a great member of the WordPress community in general, Kerry Deals. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. 
They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. We've had a great discussion with a great friend of the show, Kerry Deals, and we continue it. So I, I think that's a great mythology because, like you said, Kerry, there are, you know, not to be disparaging, there is a lot of tie kickers out there. Uh, um, so when it comes to freelancing, we, we've covered um, the legal side a little bit, uh, and we've covered um, networking a little bit. What are some of the more kind of fundamental mistakes, like one or two, that you see on a regular basis that freelancers in the WordPress technology field make when they're starting to become uh, build up their business and become a freelancer? Mm. So here's one, and I see it from the newest newbie to even some of the most seasoned people. And that is underestimating what's involved in a project uh, for simple lack of thorough communication. Uh, as a service provider, somebody tells me, I need a website. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have an about page, contact page. Hey, you need an about page, contact? Yeah, I need the, okay, great, great, great. Uh, okay, um, wait, do you, do you want a custom theme? And they're like, what's what the heck's a custom theme? And, you know, you ask these questions that are in the framework of your understanding and you think you get what they need. And so you quote a, a, you put a price tag on it and then you run off and do that and you bring it back to them and they're like, well, where's the part that does the, you know, the this and that. And when they submit this form, I need it to go into my, uh, you know, my uh, inventory management system or blah, blah, blah. And you're like, whoa, well, I didn't quote you for that. Well, you told me you were going to build me a website and then, <laughs> and then everybody gets mad and, and you're underpaid as the vendor and your client's not happy with the work you provided. And, um, and that's maybe an exaggeration, but I, I, I see it happen all the time. Just a misunderstanding of what the actual project is and what you're responsible for delivering and what your client is responsible for paying for. Just that, mm -hmm. that transaction agreement um, is a sticker. I think that's fantastic. Um, I think, you know, I'm going to say and see if you agree with this statement as well, um, but it doesn't apply always because obviously some jobs are very small, some jobs are quite clear cut, but in the bulk of medium to larger jobs, having some paid discovery um, in the process, I think is fundamentally necessary. What do you think about that? I do. Um can you explain what I mean by paid discovery? Team? Yeah. So, you know, if somebody comes to you and they've got a project, you've got to do some amount of digging in to find out what the requirements truly are. And if they're asking you for a proposal, um, well, you don't want to spend 20 hours of your time to research into their requirements and, you know, come up with some potential solutions and all that and, give that away in your proposal. Like proposals are meant to be kind of quick and dirty, right? Like I think that ballpark, this is where we're at. After we do a discovery, a paid discovery, then I can give you 
not just a ballpark figure, but a, this is exactly what the project entails and what it costs. So that way, and I'm just using that number 20 hours, but whatever time you're investing to really dig into the specifics of that project is a paid engagement. Um, and that creates value on both sides. So for you, as a service provider, you're getting paid for that time. Um, and at the end of that, what you're delivering to the client is, is specifics for the project. Um, and they could take that, theoretically, to any other service provider and shop that around for a price. Um, or more than likely, they'll just they'll go with you if they want to continue the work. But I, I feel like that's a great way to gauge um, their working relationship. Like, let's say you do a paid discovery and you're like, whoa, this is not somebody I want to work with or this is a nightmare client, or, or we're just not a good fit. You know what, as I dig deeper into it, this is really kind of outside of my wheelhouse. Then at the end of that discovery, you can also use that as sort of a, a way to end the relationship. Like, you know what, after spending some time on this, here's exactly what you need. I'm gonna refer you to somebody else who I think can serve you better than I can, or, you know, or, or whatever it is. But I, I don't know, I'm kind of blathering on from your original question, John. No, you're doing fine. I've, I think the, there's two factors, the power of this. One, it's around, it really identifies if the client is really, really serious. If they're not prepared, um, most clients, when they initially come with you, um, they are um, they are probably going to be talking to other people, um, and unless they've got a detailed request for propose um, proposal document, they'll be getting quotes. They'll be looking for oranges, and they'll be getting quotes for bananas. So um, they won't be able to unless they've got a detailed request for a proposal document, which they can give to various you know, two to three developers to get a quote, they're not going to get a proper quote anyway. So it's for their benefit to develop a proper uh, request for proposal document. And secondly, um, it identifies to you if the client is really serious. Would you agree with that, Kerry? Yeah. And you know what, what you can even, instead of uh, framing it as a paid discovery, frame it as hire me to help you write your request for proposal. Yes, that's uh, what I do. If I'm then you can, oh, I don't know, write it just so that you're the perfect vendor to fulfill the needs of that <laughs> of that RFP. But uh, yeah, I think you're spot on. Got, got a question, Kim? I did, and I just had a senior moment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was so engaged by what you were saying. It was like. Not the only one that is, Gibbs. <laughs> I've never, ever done that. <laughs> yes, though, I do. Um, that would you, go on, have, you got, have you retrieved it, Kim? I retrieved it. Right. It came back fast. Right. Um, for the newer developers, do you have any support for them? Because one of the things I see with some of the newer people in the WordPress community and they're maybe just learning development. Do you have any support or resources for them helping them understand how to dig in and build an RFP? Because it's not 
if you've never done it before, it's not intuitive as to what clients are taking for granted, like you said, that they're going to have. Well, what about how this connects to this? And, and how do we need to position ourselves or how do we need to think about an RFP so that we can dig in and get the right one to provide what the customer wants? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm going to back up just a little bit and say that not every project needs a discovery and not every project needs an RFP. Uh, there's a, a dollar amount threshold where the level of project changes from this is pretty vanilla, straightforward, you know, if this is a $2,000 project, I'm not going to, I don't need an RFP. <laughs> There's not enough work there to justify it. If this is a $20,000 project, then I, I do need to a better understanding of what's involved. So just kind of put the price tag barrier on there. I wanted to say that. Um, if you're a new and you've never written an RFP, I would say, don't do it by yourself. Uh, pair up with someone that's been around a little bit longer and has some experience. Um, if I could just totally pimp out my own podcast, uh, I have an episode on there with a fellow named Jordan Rupp, where he kind of digs into the specifics of what a discovery process looks like. I'll share that link with you all later. Um, and that would be just a good place to start in terms of what sorts of questions you're asking, the information you're gathering, and sort of your framework for thinking through all the components of a project. Yeah, please get that link to us because I, I just find when I work with new business owners, because I do a lot of coaching, that that's one of some of those things are things they just don't even understand yet. And even with the low, even with the low cost ones, I would recommend people maybe it doesn't require a an RFP, but I recommend to them to have at least a planning guide that they go through with the customer so that you make sure that you are at least meeting their needs or, or understand their needs so that you don't build that five page website and then they ask where the shopping cart is. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, and yeah, I actually just dropped a couple links in your chat there. Thank you oh. so much. Jonathan. Yeah. Um, the way I kind of deal with it is that if it's a certain level project, I, I normally have a, like our discussion with them. Um, either I send them to Kim for a kind of formal hour of discussion, or if it's just me, I record it on Zoom and then share it between me and the client. And then I will write a proposal based on that discussion, right? And but if it's any kind of custom coding or cust heavy customization of either existing plugin or theme, and there are doubts around how things are going to work together, um, then um, there has to be a, um, some more detailed discovery. And I do, it's so great to see somebody. Um, you know, recently there's been a couple of individuals, and you're one of them, Kerry that are gone into this field of, you know, providing resources, a course um, mentorship on a, on a course level. And I, I see you as an extremely ethical person. The other person I think um, is not doing quite the same, it's a different market, is Lee Jackson. 
um, who's also a very ethical individual because there were some other courses, some other resources out there, but the people that were running them, I, I wasn't totally sure about their ethical base. But like I say, because um, of your history of education and that, I think anybody that's looking to become a freelancer, I think getting some membership mentorship and getting some advice will save them so much hurt won't it Carrie? <laughs> yes uh, and so much of where I'm coming from now is just what I wish I'd had when I was starting my own freelancing journey um, and the WordPress community specifically there's so many it's like you said earlier it's just opening it's it's friendly now at some tiers you get into family feuds and all that kind of stuff but uh, it's a community that welcomes people into it. So if you're freelancing, if you're in the WordPress space, there's so many ways to f just start meeting people and finding, uh, you know, finding people who you can just ask questions of, whether it's technical questions or business questions or heck, come over to my group, the fearless freelancer. Uh, we'll take you under our wings. <laughs> yeah, I think just to finish up the um, the podcast part of the show, Kerry, I think um, there's the two-year burnout that's notorious in freelancing. And I think it's down um, – I think you've got to be really have some a little bit of money in reserve and also maybe have a part-time job or have some – have a – partners that's very supportive i don't know it varies but taking quote not doing discovery and not and quoting very um for very cheap work will lead to fundamentally delusion um depression burnout and going back to your nine to five job would you agree with that Kerry? Yeah, I haven't heard the two-year marker, but I think there's, you know, it's running and growing a business is just a different mindset for, hey, I'm going to go make some websites for people and, and hope that I can pay my bills. Um, and you, that latter one you do burn out on eventually because, you know, there are seasons and, you know, cash flow will sometimes be tight. And, you know, there's something to be said for the security of that regular paycheck that you get from, uh, you know, traditional employment. So I say that to say, like, I don't think everybody is cut out to freelance. Maybe you do it for a season, maybe you do it as sort of a moonlighting or something to, uh, you know, to add to your, <clears throat> your regular income. Uh, but for, for folks that really want to make a go of it, you're right. Like there's, there's gotta be some, some growth. Cause if you stagnate out at that, you know, low cost, low dollar projects, working with clients that uh, don't respect you, um, that gets old pretty quickly. So I think there's, um, there's personal development involved with that to be able to learn how to go after better clients or learn how to uh, partner up with other people that have different skill sets than you so that you can maybe offer something a little bit different. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I think at any level you can't just stay where you are for too long or you just get, you get bored and depressed or delusional. I think you're going to say delusional. 
<laughs> I was, I was, I was um, struggling for the right word. We don't want to be too harsh, do we, Kerry? Um, we're going to um, finish the podcast part of the show. Kerry's been very generous and said she'll continue the discussion, which you'll be able to see on the website with a full transcription of, of our interview with Kerry and with my great co-host, Kim. Um, Kerry, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Sure. Uh, so there's carriedills.com, uh, which is sort of the hub of all the things I've, all the, all the pies I've got my fingers in the podcast, uh, is officehours.fm. And then to see the, uh, courses I've got for freelancers, you can either go to the fearlessfreelancer.com, uh, or just join us at the, for free on the Facebook group, also called the fearless freelancer. And like I said before, I've got no hesitation in recommending Carrie's course. If you're thinking of becoming a freelancer, I think you should really look at it. It will probably save you a lot of pain and learning <laughs> lessons. Kim, how can people um, find out more about you or what you're up to? Like Carrie, if you want to find the area where I have my fingers in all kinds of things, you can go to kimshivler.com. And if you're specifically looking for help on building online courses, you can go to howtobuildanonlinecourse.com. And if you want to find out more about WP Tonic, go to our, go to our website. We've got some great resources this month. We've got an extensive article about four of the leading membership plugins. We've got another article that will be coming up pretty soon about member press. And Kim has, um, has a continuous series based on how to develop a course from the ground up. And part two of that should be coming at the end of this month. So we've got a lot of resources on the WP Tonic website. If you also very generous, give us a review on iTunes. I know it's a bit of a pain, especially on the PC, but it really helps the show. And I do read them. And if it's amusing, I actually read it out on the show. So that's great. And also don't forget about our roundtable shows on Friday. They are truly a blast. We've had some a couple recently have just been fantastic, I feel. And you can view those live at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time every Friday on our Facebook page. So if that you feel that you need some interesting Facebook WordPress discussion, um, that's the place to get it. Well, um, we're going to wrap it now, up now and we'll be back next week with somebody doing something interesting with WordPress. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.